0: I was not trying to rush you. (laughs) Thank you for coming, and thank you for leading the singing. I remember art from Red Bank High. And it's always good to see those you've known in days gone by to find out they're members of the body of Christ. Sure is. I want to thank all of you for being here to the congregation for inviting me. And for your helping the work that we're doing in trying to train gospel preachers. Thank you so very much. Now the mission, should I choose to accept it, is to try to keep you all awake. (laughs) And that's going to be next to impossible. As a matter of fact, I'm more concerned about me than you. (laughs) How am I? going to stay awake. See, that's the big issue. Now, Kay will tell you, I always take a nap about this time each Sunday. She'll tell you that. And she's telling people now. And she has been somewhat bribed to tell who the lady is that's the most misunderstood woman in the Bible, but as far as I know, she did not reveal that information. You know, uh on a rise to truth, we get all kinds of phone calls. A guy called one day and said, You've got to be the stupidest human being upon the face of God's green earth. Now, I've listened to a lot of stupid people, but I believe you're dumber than anybody I've ever listened to. I said, Just a minute, buddy. I said, Eddie, the phone calls for you. You know. He had the wrong guy. I knew he couldn't be talking to me. He had to be talking about Eddie. Well, Eddie took the phone call. You you can talk that old boy into anything, you know. Now, we're living in a time where the divorce rate is about 50%. But, you know, I've done a lot of marriage counseling. Not that I wanted to. I've gone at times from one house to the next same night, trying to help people with their marriage. And what is sad, while the divorce rate is at about 50%, I want you to think about all the people that are married scripturally and are miserable. They can't get along with their mate. I mean, it's worse than what you and I have anticipated. Not only that, the divorce rate has begun to drop some. We'll say, Well, that's good. No, it's bad because of the way it's occurring. In America, people have begun to shack up and not get married. And so if it doesn't work out, they just go their separate ways. Well, that doesn't show up in the divorce stats. And so this is where we are in this country that's chosen to forsake the true and the living God. Now, I want to ask you a question, and I want you to be honest. When hardship comes, many marriages do not survive. Could your marriage survive an awesome trial? The loss of your mate's health. Would you stay with them? I know people that should divorce their mates because their mate lost their health. What about the death of a child? That's devastating. I know. I've been there. We lost a 32-year-old daughter, Candy, one of the most outstanding Christians I've ever met in my life. And rather than get mad with God, Elva and I had to learn to look at it through God's eyes and realize the beauty of death and how Candy was graduated to a greater existence and that she doesn't have to go through what you and I are currently going through. What about financial problems? If you're going on the Internet and you'll look at causes for divorce, financial reasons are right up there at the top. We got young people wanting to start off where mom and dad are, and they get in over their heads. Now they got financial troubles; they can't pay their bills. This creates arguments among themselves, and the first thing you know, they're going their separate ways. I want to ask you if you believe a few scriptures, by way of introduction to this lesson. In Matthew nineteen nine. And I say unto you, Whosoever shall put away his wife, except it be for fornication, and shall marry another, committeth adultery. And whoso marrieth her which is put away, doth commit adultery. Do you believe it? I believe that with all my heart. When I was dating Kay, she came to the congregation, and I preached on marriage, divorce, and remarriage when it was over I took her out to eat and she said did you preach that because of me I said partly I want you to understand if we get married we can't get divorced no way in the world can you and I divorce each other unless one of us is unfaithful I want you to understand that I understand it and I want you to understand it when I do marriage counseling And I go into a couple's home, and I've been in there with broken dishes all over the floor, little children walking around barefooted. First thing I do is chew the parents out for being so inconsiderate toward their own children. Clean the dishes up. Then we'll sit down and we'll talk. But I tell them this. I'm not smart enough to do marriage counseling. I want you to know that. But I know someone who is. God Almighty, so I'm asking you right now, will you accept God's answers to your marriage problems? If you will, I can help you, because I know where to turn in this book to help you. Now, if you won't, I can't help you. I'll be honest with you. So I get them to agree they're going to accept what God Almighty has said about it. And so then we start going through the Bible. I start asking them about the problems. And it amazes me, and I've jumped on one married person after another. They'll look at their mate and say, he's got to be the stupidest human being upon the face of God's green earth. Hold it just a minute. Are you here to try to resolve your marriage problems? Well, yeah. We'll quit saying that. Because if we work it out, you're going to be married to the stupidest person upon the face of God's green earth. So quit saying that about him and don't be telling anybody else that. Watch what you say about your mate, even when you're having marital problems. Because hopefully you're going to work that out and you're going to be married to that person when all the dust clears. So you don't want to be married to the stupidest person upon the face of God's green earth. Now somebody has got to believe Matthew nineteen nine, and try to preach it to the world. And that somebody's you and me. We must believe, and here's what this verse is saying: All people who divorce and remarry, every one of them, are committing adultery, except those who were innocent and put their maid away for the cause of fornication. Now that's what the verse is saying. And we got to believe that. And if we don't believe that, then we're going to be in trouble. Now, husbands, do you believe this one? Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. See, when I'm doing marriage counseling, she said, well, he slapped me across the room. I said, "Surely you're kidding. And I look at him and I say, did you really slap her across the room? Well, I hate to say it, but yes. was that loving your mate like Christ loved the church and gave himself for it? And I read a little further where the Bible says I'm to love my wife like I love my own body. Well, if that's right, what would you think about me while I'm up here preaching? Smacking around on myself. You shouldn't have said that. You know, you'd say, that old boy's got problems. And that's right. I would have major problems. Well, if I'm not going to slap around on myself because I love me, then I shouldn't be slapping around on Kay because I love her. So, husbands, you want to save your marriage? Love your wives as Christ loved the church. Wives, you want to save your marriage? Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord. I do when I agree with him. That's not what it says, not at all. See, I got to obey the laws of the land where I obey them or, or I agree with them or not. We used to have a two lane road that came through Stony Creek. Speed limit 45. They built an awesome four lane through there, five count the turn lane. Speed limit 40. I don't agree with that. But I got to run the speed limit. I mean I could not believe that they make this awesome road, and then they lower the speed limit. And I tell you one thing they've done with it, though, they've paid for that road. I promise you that. And so far, I've been lucky I've not made any contributions, and hopefully, I won't make any. Elva used to tell me, Wesley, you can at least run the speed limit. Well, yeah, I can run the speed limit or try. And we got to obey the laws of the land where we agree with them or not. Obey the elders as long as they make scriptural decisions whether we agree with them or not. And wives, obey your husbands just like you're obeying the Lord. Now husbands, I'm going to give you a hint. You make that wife the queen of your life. Treat her like royalty. And she won't have any problems submitting to you. I guarantee you. And so we need to do that. Then notice this verse. Now I'm to practice this toward you, and you're to practice this toward me. And be ye kind one to another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. Now if I'm to do that to you, and I am, and you're to do that to me, and you are, man, shouldn't we do that to each other as husband and wife? Think about this, folks, if we'd practice this one principle. Be ye kind one to another. Elva and I had a rule. And Kay and I have got the rule. We don't want to go to bed mad at each other. Oh yeah, I've had to set up a little bit. Trying to work things out with Elva. And you'll have to do that with your maid. I had to do it with Kay. I never want Kay to go to bed mad at me, nor me mad at her. We've been married going on two years, and we had not had an argument yet. But, we've had some discussions. And one guy said, we've had some loud discussions. Well, Kay and I have not even had loud discussions. But sooner or later, surely... She and I will argue about something. But when we do, I gotta be kind to her. She's gotta be kind to me. We gotta be tender hearted toward each other and forgiving one another. And if we do that, then the marriage is gonna make it. So we're back to this. Can your marriage survive a major storm? Look in America. Least little thing, people get a divorce. I hate to say it, when I married Elva, I didn't know anything about the Bible, hardly. I had the attitude, kind of like buying a car. If this one don't work, I'll get another one. Well, thank goodness it worked for a little over 48 years. And she was a wonderful mate. But now watch this. Buildings are build, built to survive hurricanes, earthquakes, and so forth. Who had ever thought the Twin Towers and Elvin, and I saw them in 1992, could take a 747 flying into the building and still stand? And they would have stood if it hadn't been for the fire. They would have been there. That's good engineering. Now, how well are you and I engineering our marriage? That's the question. So, what about your marriage? Having said all of that by way of introduction, we come to our lesson. Okay? The most misunderstood woman in the Bible. Well, could it be Jezebel? Now, this woman's got a lot of bad press. You know that, and I know that, and you wouldn't name your daughter Jezebel. Well, notice what the Bible says about her. But there was none like unto Ahab, which did sell himself to work wickedness in the sight of the Lord, whom Jezebel, his wife, stirred up. She is a very ungodly woman, and she's stirring up her husband to do ungodliness. One thing she did was kill Naboth, and she did a lot of ungodly things, promoted Baal, and tried to kill God's prophets. Young people, listen to me. Be careful who you marry because they can stir you up and cause you to do things that you normally would not do. I was looking at a survey the other day on the internet. Seventy-five percent of the members of the body of Christ that married non-believers left the church in the survey. Seventy-five percent. Now that's, that's a big number. So, we're not talking about Jezebel. Athaliah, Athaliah is Jezebel, Jezebel's and Ahab's daughter. Well, can you imagine what she saw, what she was taught, and so forth. Listen to what the Word of God says about her in 2 Chronicles 24, 7. For the sons of Athaliah, that wicked woman, now let me tell you something, when God Almighty calls a woman wicked, you can mark it down, underline it, triple exit. She is wicked. That's what she is. Hath broken up the house of God. That's what she thought about the house of God. And also all the dedicated things of the house of the Lord did they bestow unto Balaam. She took the very things that should have been employed to worship the true and living God and turned them over to worship a false god. So... We're not talking about her. What about Herodias? We talked about her a little bit earlier in a sermon. In Mark 6, beginning with verse 17, For Herod himself had sent forth and laid hold upon John, and bound him in prison for Herodias' sake, his brother Philip's wife. For he had married her. For John had said unto Herod, It is not lawful for thee to have thy brother's wife, Therefore, Herodias had a quarrel against him and would have killed him, but she could not. But Herodias' Herodias' daughter goes out and dances in front of old Herod, pleases him, and Herod says, I'll give you anything I got, up to half the kingdom, you name it. She didn't know what to ask for, so she went to Mom and said, Mom, what should I ask for? Ask for John the Baptist head on a charger. Now can you imagine somebody that ungodly? Killing the preacher because he taught the truth on marriage, divorce, and remarriage. Still goes on today. Preachers fired because they teach the truth on various subjects. So we're not talking about her. Well, I'm going to give you a hint. Tammy Wynette sung, Stand By Your Man. Now she didn't. But the woman under consideration, she will. George Jones, a drunk. She married George, and it was a miserable life because he was a drunk. She took his car keys away from him, so he couldn't get down to the beer joint. He rode his lawnmower down there and got his beer, his whiskey, Young people, if you're dating someone that drinks, drop him. Drop her. I got a sermon I preached The Right Time to Get a Divorce. The right time to get a divorce is before you get married. If you're dating someone that beats the tar out of you, what do you think he's going to do after you're married? If you're dating someone that's on drugs, what do you think is going to happen after you get married? I had a lady call me she said, come over here, Wesley, you got to see this. Well, I didn't know what I had to see. So I went over there. Look at him. Her husband was passed out on the front porch, sloppy, drunk. She's a member of the church. Well, she knew he would drink before she married him. Why is that a big surprise? I didn't marry him. What am I going to do about it? He woke up just a little bit and said, hi, Ashley. And I said, how you doing? You see, the right time to divorce that guy is before you marry him. Because more than likely it's going to continue. I preached the sermon, the right time to get a divorce at Stony Creek, And one of our young girls dropped her boyfriend. We were eating at the Chinese place and he came there belly aching about he had been dropped. Oh, I thought she made a good decision. So I couldn't hardly take his side. He should have been dropped. This woman, whoever she is, could say, I, Jane Doe, take you, John Doe, for my lawful wedded husband to have and to hold... From this day forward, for better, for worse, for richer, for poorer, in sickness and health, and unto death do us part. And I don't know any woman in the Bible that lived up to this better than the woman that we're going to be talking about. In doing research for the lesson, one individual said this, I've never heard of one good thing said about this woman, not one, and you hadn't either I bet. You've heard a lot of bad things, but very few good things have you ever heard said about her. Well, you're going to hear some good things today because I'm going to say them, and you're going to hear them. She's found in the Old Testament, the lady under consideration. How would you like to be judged by one act or one statement in your life? I've mentioned that I've gone to high school with some of you. And it may well be at high school you could have seen me out behind the smoking shed smoking. I hadn't smoked a pack of cigarettes in my life probably. But I went out there with the guys and I'd smoke a cigarette occasionally. It may well be that you heard me tell a joke I had no business telling. It may be that you saw me running with some guys I shouldn't be running with. And I'm sure you have seen me sooner or later in the principal's office. And I wasn't there checking on my A's that I'd made on the report card. Okay? I'd hate to be judged for all that. Or other things that I've done in the same way with you. But this lady has been. This lady has been judged by one bad statement she made in life. And people have left her there because she made a bad statement. You ever been mad at someone? I could kill him. Well, how would you like to be judged for that? Well, if I was old so and so, I'd shoot my husband. I wouldn't put up with that junk. I said one time to the elders, I'd have to be drunk to be married to that lady. Well, I wasn't going to go out and get drunk, you know, to be married to her. But my, my, you've made some bad statements in life and so have I. We've done some bad things in life. But now this lady said this in Job two nine. Then said his wife unto him, Dost thou still retain thine integrity? Curse God and die. The lady we're talking about is Job's wife. This is the lady that's going to be under consideration. And I want to show you some qualities about this lady that makes her an outstanding lady in so many ways. Now I want you to notice the kindness of Job as Job responds to his wife. In Job 2.10, But he said unto her, Thou speakest as one of the fools or foolish women speaketh. Now he did not call her a fool. He said, Honey, you speak like one of the foolish women speaks. That's the way you're speaking. You've not thought this through. You're speaking as an empty-headed person. What? Shall we receive good at the hand of God? And shall we not receive evil? And all this did not Job sin with his lips. I want you to keep in mind, we're talking about a lady that's broken hearted. A lady that's depressed. A lady that has suffered more in life than you and I probably will ever suffer. And she made a bad statement. First thing I want you to realize is we're talking about real people. Job was a real person. We got people that look at the book of Job and said, well, that's just... a. Uh, a story of fiction that God made up, trying to make a point. No, these people were real. These events really happened. When Ezekiel was talking about what God was going to do to His people, and how in the world were they going to manage to survive, he said this in Ezekiel 14:14. 14, 14, Though these three men—Noah, Daniel, and Job—were in it. They should deliver but their own souls by their righteousness, saith the Lord. Now was Noah real? Absolutely. Was Daniel real? You better believe it. Job? Yes. He was a real person. And he experienced everything the Bible says he experienced. Now I want you to notice that Job's loss was also his wife's loss. Sometimes we don't understand that. I want you to notice, servants were killed. Back then they were very close to their servants. And they loved them dearly. And now, these people that are close to you, they're killed. They lost 7,000 sheep, 3,000 camels, 500 yoke of oxen, 500 she-asses, Seven sons and three daughters. I can't imagine losing ten children at one time. I lost one. And God being my witness, I cried for three months over that girl. And I finally had to live with it. Accept it. I wasn't mad at God. I realized these things happen, But I had to finally look at it through God's eyes and realize hey she's better off she lived for that day you're living for the day you die so you can graduate I'm living for that day I went to a funeral service one time where it was a husband a wife and their son and I watched other family members the mother of that daughter suffer immensely can you imagine losing all ten of your children At one time. We're talking about a broken hearted lady. Then I want you to notice. He lost his health. She's got to watch a man suffer that she loves. And then she has gone just like Job. From riches to rags. From the elite to being nothing. Your friends have become your foes. There have been parents. They used to be, but they're not anymore. And Job's wife basically was running a nursing home. She's got to take care of Job. If she stays, how many women would stay? You know, there's people that marry for riches. Well, if she married for riches, she just lost them. And if she married because Job was prominent, she just lost that. And now, she's got to take care of this man that's got nothing? Will she stay? I want you to notice what she saw and heard. And the book of Job tells us about it. So went Satan forth from the presence of the Lord, and smote Job with sore balls from the sole of his foot unto his crown. And he took him a pot-shared to scrape himself with him, And he sat down among the ashes. Now you're going to find out later, his skin's broken. And he's got maggots and worms in those broken places. It's itching him to death. And he's having to take a broken piece of pottery and try to scrape the pus, the infection, and the worms out of his body. Ladies, would you stay with a man like that? You think about having to see that. And Job doesn't know what's going on and she doesn't either. All of this is happening because of God's faith in Job. Now you think about that. Satan had the attitude, you know God, the only reason people serve you is because you build a hedge around them and I can't get to them And that's the only reason they care one thing about you. God's attitude. That's stupid. There's people that would love me if their whole world caved in. Are you one of those people? Am I? And God said, have you considered my servant Job? Yeah. I'll tell you what, you have at him. You can do anything you want to him except you can't take his life. And boy, did the devil do it. And Job couldn't understand it. But God was looking on, and you know how pleased God must have been. As he saw this man go through trial after trial, pain after pain, and remain faithful to show there's people that will love God regardless of their circumstances. Watch this. In Job 3, 24, 25, For my sign cometh before I eat, and my roarings and pouring out like waters. The food has been prepared, and oh, oh, he hurts. His sign goes forth. Well, the servants are hearing that. Miss Job is hearing that. For the thing which I greatly feared has come upon me, and that which I was afraid of has come upon me unto me and to be honest with you I'm not sure what that is I know what it is in your case and mine to a large degree we don't want to get down to a point to where we cannot take care of ourselves that somebody else has got to do it but that's where Job is and the thing that he greatly feared has come upon him now I want you to notice he's going to express the same thought to some degree that his wife did He wishes he is dead. That's what she wished for him. Except she went at it wrong. She said curse God and die. Let God strike you dead. He said no. We can't do that. We got to accept good things and bad things from the Lord. In Job 3.11 Why died I not from the womb? Why did I not give up the ghost when I came out of the belly? Why did I not die at childbirth? So I don't have to go through all of this. Then in Job 6.9 Even that it would please God to destroy me that he would let loose his hand and cut me off I wish God would just cut my life off from the face of the earth and it was all over. He doesn't want to live. Well guess who's got to listen to this stuff? And in a moment you're going to see that she had to hear it. She's listening to his complaints. When I lie down, I say, when shall I arise? And the night be gone. And I'm full of tossings to and fro until the dawning of the day. When I go to bed at night, I can't sleep. I'm in pain. I'm hurting. And I can't wait to get up. And when I get up, I can't wait to go to bed. And when I go to bed, I can't wait to get up because it's one miserable existence. That's where he is. Don't you know that Miss Job heard him up night after night, walking the floor, groaning and moaning? Would you stay with a man like that? Would you want to live in those conditions? My, my. You're talking about terrible. Now, I'm sure there's times in the she wouldn't sleep with him, period. Oh, pus running out of his body and worms. She's a human being. She's got thoughts. What if somebody came to wait on you at a restaurant and they had cracks in their skin and you could see maggots and so forth? You want them to wait on you? No. You want to eat side by side with them? No. She's wrestling with all that as well. Let no one kid you. In Job 7.11, therefore I will not refrain my mouth. I will speak in the anguish of my spirit. I will complain in the bitterness of my soul. I will not keep my mouth shut. I'm going to complain about my fate and where I am in life. Well, guess who's got to listen to that? Miss Job. She's having to listen to it. Job had faith. But God had awesome faith in Job. Job didn't realize when he was going through all of that that it was because God had so much faith in him. My flesh is clothed with worms and clots of dust. My skin is broken and become loathsome. Now he's telling you about his appearance. Here's a man who's got open sores and maggots and worms in those open sores. And he would scrape, trying to get the pus, the infection, and the worms out of his body. I've never had what this man had, but now I had poison oak one time so bad it was unreal on my legs. And you talking about Itching. And you know what the doctor said? Don't scratch it. Well, let him get it and see what he does. I remember in Shady Valley, rolling my britchy legs up, scratching those legs so hard. It was unreal. They would bleed. I would douse them with alcohol and run through the house screaming. And Elba said, what in the world's wrong with you? Well, she didn't understand what I was going through. I was trying to get rid of that poison oak. Now, I'm not saying that was wise, okay? I'm not a doctor. So don't you follow my prescriptions. Ladies, would you stay with a man who had these problems? And we got people getting a divorce. Like I read in the paper the other day, a man divorced his wife. said, great, Scott, I'd never seen her without makeup. I didn't realize she was that ugly. Well, you might want to do a little investigating, you know before you marry somebody, well, I didn't know she couldn't cook. Well, you better find some of these things out before you get married. Well, I didn't know he is such a sloppy person. He throws his clothes all over the house. There's people get divorced for things like this. It is unreal, and then you got this lady putting up with all this in job nineteen thirteen and following. He hath put my brethren far from me. Talking about God, Job says, God's put my brethren far from me. And mine acquaintance are very estranged from me. My kinsfolk have failed. And my familiar friends have forgotten me. They that have dwelt in mine house and my maids count me for a stranger. I'm an alien in their sight. And I'm sure Miss Job was that way to some degree. Man, it'd be hard to be around a man whose body is full of infection and worms. Time to eat, Miss Job. You want to eat at the same table with hubby? Maybe not. Maybe not. But I tell you one thing she don't want to do. She don't want to dump him either just because he's that way. In Job 19, 18 through 19, Yea, young children despise me. I arose and they spake against me. And my inward friends abhorred me. And they whom I loved are turned against me. Little children can be cruel not mean to. You know, they just say what they mean. What they think. And a lot of times it hurts feelings. Look at that man. He's got sores all over his body and he's got worms. Did you see those worms? See, little children would do stuff like that. And Job's picked up on it. <coughs> Look at Job 16.16. 16. My face is foul with weeping. My eyelids is the shadow of death. Now we as preachers, we get to see a lot of sick people. A matter of fact, when I get back in town, I got to go visit some sick members. You ever looked into a person's face and their face so hollow and their Eyes so sunken, it looks like you're looking death right in the face. You've seen that. That's Job. He can't hardly eat. He can't sleep. He's in pain and misery. Here's what Elihu said, if God really got after a man, what he'd look like. He is chastened also with pain upon his bed. Job said that was true. And the multitude of his bones with strong pain. He's going through that. So that his life abhorreth bread and his soul dainty meat. You ever been so sick you didn't want to eat? And the smell of food made it worse? I've been that sick. Man, I don't want to eat. His flesh is consumed away.